0: Hey, it's Anna back in your Death, Sex, and Money podcast feed. Hooray! Since you last heard from me here, Death, Sex, and Money has moved to Slate, and the team and I have started back at work on new episodes for you. But we wanted to share an episode with you this week in which we celebrate romantic love and remind you of the origin story of this show. More than 10 years ago now, I was in the middle of a painful, protracted breakup with my ex, Arthur. We just couldn't see a way forward. And I was at a point in my life when I felt a lot of time pressure to make sure I could see a way forward because I knew I wanted to be a mom. That led somehow to me talking about love and marriage and getting through relationship conflict with two people I had just met, former Senator Alan Simpson and his wife, Anne. That's what this episode is about, and as you listen now in 2024, whether it's the first time you've heard this episode or if you're a long-time listener hearing it again, I think it makes it better knowing that after we recorded this episode, Arthur and I got married, we stayed friends with the Simpsons, dear friends, their whole family really, Alan and Ann spoke at our wedding, they visited me in the hospital after my first daughter was born, and they just continue to be very precious guides to us. They're both 92 now. And when we visited last, they were both very excited to hear about Death, Sex, and Money's new home at Slate. Speaking of our new home at Slate, Zoe ajule Andrew Dunn, and I have started up work with our new colleagues there. And we are celebrating this new era of death, sex, and money with a live show in San Francisco on Thursday, February 29th. It's hosted at KQED's beautiful headquarters. And my guests will include some people you've heard on the show before comedian W. Kamal Bell, relationship writer Vicki Larson, and Dr. Bonnie Chen, the end of life doctor who we met in our episode last fall about grief. And artist Carissa Potter, who runs one of my favorite Instagram accounts, People I've Loved, will also join me. And the house band will be led by, get this, Dwayne Wiggins of Tony, Tony, Tony. You can get tickets at a link in our show notes or go to kqed.org slash live. We are calling this event Four Interviews and a Revival. And if you can't be in California, there will be a link to watch it virtually. And no matter where you are, you can be in touch at our new permanent email address, DeathSexMoney at Slate.com. You can tell us about your favorite Death, Sex, and Money episodes over the years. The entire archive is available for you to listen to now in your podcast feed. Or tell us if you have an episode idea that you have or how things are going where you are. This is the longest that some of us have been out of touch in 10 years. We are working on new episodes for you, and until then, please enjoy this wild love story from my life, which started with a voicemail.
1: Ms. Anna Sayles, this is Alan K. Simpson in the wilds of Wyoming, former U.S. Senator.
0: This is a message I got on my cell phone.
1: need to talk to you about an urgent matter, nothing life-threatening at all, I can
2: assure you.
0: Al Simpson is famous for being the Simpson in Simpson Bowles, that group that made recommendations about American debt a few years back. I'm a reporter, and I was covering politics, but there was no reason for Al Simpson to be calling me on my personal cell phone.
1: Anyway, give me a buzz if you're convenient. I called him back. And then
0: I was walking up 6th Avenue in Manhattan talking to former Senator Al Simpson about my ex-boyfriend, Arthur. In other words... Senator Alan Simpson had called to talk about my love life. This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from Slate about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. I'm Anna Sale. This is Death, Sex, and Money from Slate. I'm Anna Sale. Al Simpson was a Republican senator from Wyoming for 18 years. Before 2013, we'd never met. He didn't know me, but he knew about me from a letter.
2: Dear Senator Simpson, we met once briefly a few years ago.
0: This is Arthur.
2: Here goes. The love of my life, Miss Anna Sale, lives in New York City. We've known each other for two years and three months. For most of that time, I was finishing my ecology Ph.D. at the University of Wyoming.
0: Our breakup was one of those classic, I love you, but this isn't going to work, breakups. Our version was, we're in our 30s, I'm a reporter in the city, you study wildlife in Wyoming, this doesn't have a future. We'd agreed. But then Arthur changed his mind. I didn't.
2: Things had just gotten too hard, and they had gotten too... Heavy. Heavy.
0: That's when Arthur decided to enlist the help of an 82-year-old retired politician. He thought it would make me laugh.
2: I knew Al Simpson as a public figure and, like, you know, the person I imagined was a person who, at least there was a decent chance, would think that this was funny enough or crazy enough that he would actually do it.
0: Arthur told Al Simpson all about why we'd split up.
2: This means that Anna and I have mostly dated long distance. I love Wyoming and have indulged its pull a little too much. I haven't been able to resist the mountains and people. And so a month ago Anna stopped believing I would ever close the distance to be with her, and she cut me loose. I don't blame her. I was being a fool and I took her for granted. But now I see, eyes wide open, my mistake. Senator Senator Simpson, I've Simpson, poured, I poured this is the
1: one I've poured my heart and soul into Wyoming for six years. I hope you will consider this as a favor for a man who's risked it all for that place
0: Senator, would you give Anna a call on my behalf that's Ann Simpson Al's wife of sixty years okay, what did you when you first read well, that what no, did you I just think? thought
1: it was the odd, the oddity of the ages. And I, I looked at it, put it away, and then Ann and I were in Denver, and I said, I've got to do something with this thing. I think I'll just toss it. And Ann looked at it, and she said, worth a try.
3: This is just the sweetest letter, Ren and I thought that sure. would be a shame not to
1: call. With, with esteem and humility, he ends.
3: He seemed very desperate. <laughs>
0: They were calling to get me to come to Wyoming for a weekend. Arthur was getting a prize for wildlife research. There was a ball. He was a guest of honor, and Arthur knew Al Simpson would be there. I was supposed to be Arthur's plus one until I told him I wasn't going anymore. When we talked on the phone that day, Al told me he didn't know much about us, but he didn't know that all couples have hard times. He and his wife Anne certainly had. Anne was there, and I heard her say in the background, What have you got to lose? She got on the phone and added, Don't let your pride get in the way. So, of course, I decided to go. Arthur and I met the Simpsons and talked to them about love and commitment— And then, because it was a ball, we all danced together in our gowns and tuxes to a wedding band playing Get Lucky by Daft Punk. Then, the ball ended, and I had a plane to catch the next morning. And I didn't know what to tell Arthur about what would happen next. Because it wasn't just the distance that had made it hard for us. I was also really scared of committing to a relationship that wasn't going to work. I'm divorced. I'm in my 30s, and I want to be a mother— and I was so afraid of making the wrong choice again and losing time. Anne says that that night at the ball, she could tell. I saw them, there were some wounds there. What did you see? Well, there was, it was
3: a little touchy. You were a little, you know, a little standoffish. And uh, thought, well, either it'll work or it won't. But at least you were willing to give it a try.
0: Yeah,
1: I wouldn't lose a bit of sleep—not a bit. (laughs) Not really. I mean that because you've done what you can do.
0: Arthur and I didn't crater. A few weeks after the ball, we got back together, and Alan and Simpson are still in our lives. It turns out that even though it was Arthur's desperate plea that got them involved, they ended up helping me. So I asked to come to Cody, Wyoming, to talk to the Simpsons some more. Come in, come in. We're
3: all ready to have lunch.
0: The three of us sat at their kitchen table in the same house where they raised their three kids. Al is light. six and a half feet tall and rail-thin. He peppers his sentences with cuss words while wearing a red monogrammed sweater.
3: Now, here's some red. I just made this this morning. Anne wow, Simpson so. is totally
0: glamorous. Her white hair is swept up in an updo, no, no. and she reapplies lipstick before she'll let you take her picture. She wears these silver bangle bracelets that jangle as she talks. She's also tough. Al found that out early on, when they were dating.
1: I got arrested one night, uh, got in a fist fight, got in a fight with a cop, slugged the cop, ended up in jail, called her, I said, I need $300 bail. She said, are you kidding? I'm working my way through school, I don't have 300 bucks bail. Maybe I'll just stay there. And I thought, Jesus, you know, it'd be good if I linked up with her. <laughs> She could be a helpful ally in this continuing battle for maturity.
0: That battle, it's gone
1: on and on. The secret is you both try to control each other and you both fail. And it's critical that you both fail as you try to, and you do it in the most skilled and manipulative ways.
0: He learned that lesson on a dance floor years ago. Al and Ann were at an event.
1: And, uh, she was dancing with a guy who I knew was a horny old toad, you know, and I thought, you know that, and she loves to dance. And so she's whirling around the floor and giggling and laughing. And so anyway, uh, uh, I, we, I got home and I said, you know, I want to tell you something. I saw you snuggling up to that horny bastard there. And she said, look, I am not into this to play games but I'm not going to be under a glass lid just because of your jealousy. And I love to dance, and I will do that, and I'm not going to jump in the sack with somebody, so I think you better get over it," which really pissed me off. So I gave her a lecture. It was a beautiful thing about life and fealty and love and loyalty and all the rest. I thought, she won't sleep a wink. Ten minutes later, I look in, she's absolutely dead butt asleep. Guilt-free. Guilt-free. And me, (laughs) I got boulders in my gut. I didn't sleep, but I did one important thing. I'd always loved Shakespeare, and I went in and read Othello. How He killed the most beautiful person in his life, Desdemona, choked her. I thought, Jesus, this, this is one sick son of a bitch. This is not me, this is totally destructive and it has nothing to do with her.
0: Al Simpson has said, Shakespeare leads you to the feeling world. And in The Simpsons' world, those feelings sometimes unfold in public, like during the Clarence Thomas hearings in Washington. Coming up, Ann Simpson says her husband was a bully to Anita Hill. I didn't like that.
3: I hated to have the people see a side of him that I didn't feel was who he was.
0: This is Death, Sex, and Money from Slate. I'm Anna Sale. Alan and Ann Simpson say they learned to confront things as a couple, like Al's jealousy, by learning how to talk about them. But they didn't do it alone. You know, we had the good fortune of getting some outside help
3: when we needed it through our church. Uh, we were, had been married probably 10 years at that time, mm-hmm. and uh, it was not a good time for us. Three children, busy life, and just a feeling that I needed help. Our minister,
1: the guy that married us,
3: he came to see us to call on us. And I said, help. What a great life I had as I burst into tears. And he told us.
0: Al knew the minister was organizing counseling for couples at church, and he wanted no part of it.
3: And I saw the car drive up.
1: I said, that dip shit is here. I'm not going to come out to hell with it. I'm not going to do it. And said, well, I've done a lot of junk for you, pal, so you can do one for me. And that that was really a a true statement. I mean, gone to rallies and pie rallies and, you know, fish fries and and all the stuff that goes with this game. And so... uh, I went,
3: and I had things in my past that bothered me, and I was able to talk about that. I'd had an experience of being molested, so, Mm -hmm. and uh, it it was just something that I was always aware of when in the when I had sex, and once I was able to talk about it, it diminished.
1: She said, I've never told you anything. I guess we had have been married 20 years. Well, I said, well...
3: Not that long. 15, yeah, whatever. It and, was my secret.
1: No, anyway, I said, well, at least turn on the light. And she did, and she told me this. I said, you think I care about that? That doesn't mean crap to me. Nothing. She said, you mean that? I said, yeah. What the hell does that have to do with us? Well, she said, I just never wanted to tell you. I said, well... You can sure scratch it off because it, it had nothing to do with my feelings toward you or, or anything. Well, I thought, it was a
0: gift. It must have made you feel so
3: safe. It did. I felt safe. That's exactly right. The hardest thing for all couples to talk about is sex. And it's hard to believe, but it is. And the big issues in all marriages that hang it up is your sexual relationship. Whoever is the most aggressive, the other one is in control. You know, we're older, so it isn't the issue now that it was when we were young. But it was a big issue, and it is in all marriages.
1: Well, then when you talk about it, you you think, uh, well, there's a couple of horny people and want to. No, that's not the point. It, it's called intimacy. Scratch my back give me a hug. Just a hug. I said, okay. You know, I've had a lot. But just a touch, you know, a whack on the fanny in the kitchen, you know, or whatever, whatever. I don't know. I'm not telling you those things make me look like a, a, a fine, wonderful. I can be a real horse's ass. I'm stubborn. I'm a bully. I'm a bully. I can get into a relationship. They won't let me pull it off. But You know, I can. It
3: has made me stronger uh, being married to a bully.
0: Were there ever moments in your husband's public life where you saw that that, that bullying side come out and felt like you wanted to talk to him about it?
1: Tell him about that.
3: Yes, that's when he was in the (laughs) Clarence Thomas
1: thing. Pissed me off. And I
3: said to all the men on that one, I said, you all came across like a bunch of bullies.
0: Let me give you some background. This was in 1991. Clarence Thomas was a nominee for the Supreme Court, and an attorney named Anita Hill had told the Senate Judiciary Committee that Thomas had sexually harassed her when he was her boss. Al Simpson was a Republican on that committee, and he had some questions about Anita Hill's story and her motives. If what you say
1: this man said to you occurred, why in God's name would you ever speak to a man like that the rest of your life?
0: That's a very good question. While the hearings were happening in D.C., Ann was back in Wyoming, caring for her mother, who was very ill. And
3: I was not following it moment by moment. When I finally did, I just couldn't believe the way Al was operating. And, uh... I did tell him, you know, you all sound terrible. You sound like a bunch of male chauvinist pigs.
1: She said, I don't know what you're doing today, but for God's sake, you look really nasty. You look like a beast. But don't forget, I'd had a wife who'd had much more harassment than Anita Hill, and that's where I lost my marbles. I thought, what is this? I mean, for God's sake. What did he do? Well, nothing. Did he touch you? No. What is it? Well, we watched porn movies together and he wanted to talk about long, Dong silver and pubic hair and coke cans. Is that it? Yes, it is. I wanted you to be aware of his behavior. And so I, you know, I was a monster. I just was pissed to the core.
0: Al Simpson got called out, and not just by his wife. Editorials across the country blasted him for attacking Anita Hill with rumor and innuendo, for saying things like this during the hearing.
1: I've got letters hanging out in my pocket. I've got faxes. I've got statements from her former law professors, statements from people that know her, statements from Tulsa, Oklahoma, saying, watch out for this woman. But nobody's got the guts to say that because it gets all tangled up in this sexual harassment crap.
3: You know, he just kept getting more and more worked up. And then uh, one time he was at home and I said, you know, you have a wonderful reputation, the way you've always operated. And it seems to me that you are caught in something and you just need to shut up. Shut up. He said, you've never said that to me before said, well, I am now. You know, there's a time to just recognize when you're out of control. And sometimes you have to identify that in the other person.
0: This is still a tender spot for Al Simpson. Some things he's contrite about, other things he won't let go. And Anne is still disappointed. It's not resolved. It's just past, stitched into their long relationship together. But I know that doesn't always happen in a marriage. When I was married and tried to push through feelings of distance and pull us back together, it didn't work. Was there a moment for either of you where you thought, maybe this... Maybe there's not a way back towards each other.
3: Well, I think it isn't that. It's just that you think maybe somebody else could replace you. Mm -hmm. I guess there were times that I, you know, you think that divorce maybe is the answer to start someplace else, but you don't get rid of it. And uh, everyone I've ever seen that divorced, that went into another marriage, had learned that it was the same thing and they better
0: make it work. So this is this might be too personal, but no. has, has talking about and kind of reaffirming fidelity and monogamy been part of your marriage as you've sort of worked through different phases?
3: Well, I don't know, I don't know that we about. dealt
0: with that so much because we both went into it believing
3: in monogamy. You know, we're from the era, and our parents... Mm-hmm. You know, divorce had never been a part of any of our lives. And uh, it's a different world now. But, you know, I think about it. I I have a big problem with washing my hair. My hair will be just right. You can relate to this. And I think maybe I should wash my hair. Well, maybe I'd wait another day and then, you know. So I'm in there washing my hair, still trying to decide whether to wash my hair. And that's how. I was in the beginning about marriage. I'm married. I'm trying to decide if I want to be married. Well, I am married. And that's what most people are doing. They're in it, and they haven't committed.
0: And it's easy to do. Oh, yeah. That's really easy to do. I I don't think you all know this, but before Arthur and I got together, I was married and divorced. No, I didn't
3: know that. (laughs) Mm -mm. How long were you married?
0: I was married three and a half years with my boyfriend through my my twenties. And then we divorced. We divorced and I met Arthur just a few months after. So Hmm. Arthur was going to be my, my cowboy fling. (laughs) And here you are. And here I am. I think the real key
3: is You decide to make it work. There are lots of different ways. We had ways. Other people have different ways.
1: It's called sorting crap. But you have to take risks. That's what he did. He took a big risk.
0: Arthur did take a risk, confessing his heartache to a retired U.S. senator. It's what got us back together. Not because I got a phone call from a famous person. That was fun. But because it showed me the kind of man Arthur is, I didn't want to lose him. Now Arthur's mostly in New York and travels for fieldwork when he needs to. We're back in the flow of an everyday relationship where it's not always about grand gestures, but often about the opposite, knowing when not to say things. That's the last thing Al Simpson wanted me to know, how good he'd gotten at that. When I was at their house in Cody, it smelled like smoke, because Ann had left a pot on the stove before they'd gone out the night before. And Al said when he opened the door and saw all the smoke, he didn't say a thing. I just started opening the windows. As I
3: already said, Oh for God's sakes I forgot to turn that down. There are times that there's no need to say no, anything. No need
1: to say a word. Did cough a little, but oh, then I'm ahead. And she might she might <laughs> say something the next time whereas I didn't this time. And she might say, Well for God's sake, Al, I told I'll say, oh, wait a minute, the night that pot of crap nearly blew up our house. I didn't say anything. Remember? I'm back. I
3: won. <laughs> see you see there's I no can't progress wait. really.
1: I hope it comes up soon. No progress at all.
3: <laughs> it's just that we both don't care.
0: Well you don't give a shit. <laughs> That's Al and Ann Simpson. They've now been married for sixty nine years and still live in Cody, Wyoming. Death, Sex, and Money is now produced by Slate, where our team includes Zoe Ajule Andrew Dunn, Cameron Drews, and Daisy Rosario. Special thanks to James Ramsey, Chris Bannon, Jim Briggs, and Emily Boutine for their work on this episode when it originally aired in 2014. And to Jonathan Minhevar who produced this episode with me when he was at This American Life. Our theme music is by the Reverend John DeLore and Steve Lewis. Other music in this episode is from Bill Frizzell. And if you're new to the show, welcome. We are so glad you're here. Find us and follow us on Instagram at DeathSexMoney. And you can find my newsletter at annasale.substack.com. And again, our new email address where you can reach us with voice memos, pep talks, questions, critiques is deathsexmoney at slate.com. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from Slate.